0: Yeah, keep, keep yeah, so to show Everybody watch out. Yeah, we
1: So we went from Iowa football to Logan to being on staff, uh kind of behind the scenes, I guess, for Mizzou football, and then you got an opportunity to be one of, or the team chiropractor, I guess I don't even know for sure, of Memphis football. Sure. You know, talk me through that process. And people love the idea of being on the sidelines and all of that stuff. It's it's fantastic. It's really cool, right? There's a lot of uh, of of awesome things that, that go along with that. But it's also very time-consuming. Um, and finances are not always supportive of mm-hmm. how much effort you're putting in. So walk me through that process. What would you think of it?
0: Yeah, I think um, there was a lot that was unique about Memphis, um, and, and I think there's a lot that's, it, again, depends on where you're at and where you're, what sport and what level you're trying to get into, because there's definitely some differences between pro level and college level, and, and I won't get into that, but just just know there's some differences in there, so my experience is use it as a as an idea of understanding the, the, the concepts behind it, not necessarily these are the steps I need to do, right? So... Um, so I went to Mizzou. Um, I started going to Mizzou uh, through kind of just your like clinic uh, rotation options you could do. You just pick a time you want to go to Mizzou and get it scheduled. So I did that during my try nine, and I went out there probably once or twice a week. Um, probably more once once a week, but um, spent some time out there at Mizzou. And again, just you can call it luck, you can call it happenstance, but. Um, was part of the first uh, class that had the opportunity to actually do a preceptor out at Mizzou. Um, so I took that opportunity, um, rather than, again, the opportunity cost of, well, maybe I could go to this doctor and start you know working underneath this office where I think I wanna practice. Like, again, my mindset was I want collegiate sports. That's where I'm going. So when that opened up, that's where I'm going, right? So, um, so I went over to, um, over to Memphis uh, during my Tri-10. Uh, moved over there with actually another another buddy of ours that uh, that we graduated with. And um, we spent uh, the entire Tri-10 treating athletes there all day. Um, that would have been spring ball and primarily track. Because um, track is huge mm-hmm. during that period of time. So at that position, the, the idea was use this to kind of leverage um, a master's internship, which we have at Logan, It's it's, um, it's it's 100 percent what you make of it, but I'll tell you right now that master's in church internship was the best thing that I could have had on my plate, um, because what that did for me is it allowed me to kind of offer myself as a as essentially free labor to someone. Um, so we were actually looking at the time at at, at, at Mizzou, um, me and, and the head athletic trainer and the and the team doc that we were kind of working underneath at the time. Um, you know, where would you like to go? Where do you want to be positioned at? Like, where could we reach out, use our network to kind of set you up? And actually I had opportunities to um, look at uh, Boise State at the time. And so I went out to Boise State and kind of uh, spent some time out there, Um, met a couple people, met athletic trainers, team docs, and um, met a doc there as well that was a former team doc, um, Team Cairo. And uh, was actually at home, um, right after I got back and got a phone call from the uh, from the chiropractor, the, the team chiropractor at Mizzou um, that I worked underneath saying, hey, um, don't know what you think about the South, but um, through the SEC, you know, kind of connection, I actually know there's a team doc that works with Texas A&M that's in South Haven, Mississippi, and he is contracted with with track with Texas track, but he does do some work or know some people at Memphis. You know, he thought he might be able to allow you an opportunity to get in Memphis, and that's you know that was all I needed to do is you know okay, just get my foot in the door. So I made that decision to move down to Memphis. I'm a Midwest guy. I do not want to spend any time in the South, I and mean, maybe if it's Texas, right? But um, but I didn't want to go to Memphis, and I never saw myself going to Memphis. But that's what the opportunity was. Um, so I went down to Memphis and I did my master's internship there. Spent what 20, 30, 40 hours a week there, on top of being at that uh, at the 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 practice with that team doc. I was an IC there um, with that team doc for Texas A&M, and you know, at the end of that period, um, I provide a good enough amount of service and care and help, um, you know, that Memphis was like, well, crap, we kind of liked having you around, we want to kind of keep you here, so. Um, from there, though, us, I That's spent awesome. I spent the whole I spent the whole next year not getting paid. Not one dime did I make that whole next year um, from Memphis. But I spent the time there to help to um, build that relationship. And finally, on the end of year, I guess you call it one and a half, right? Um, we started working into how that could be worked into like you know, well, this orthopedic group charges insurance. Well, why can't you charge insurance? Why can't you you know, it makes sense, right? So. Um, started working in there um, and starting to be able to actually make money, um, and then honestly, kind of came up on some good uh, some good opportunities uh, as well outside of practice and outside of Memphis that um, I was able to also bring into uh, into Memphis and the way I treated this would be this would be RPR, um, and we really got great results and and I was a you know an asset with that team, um, you know, Memphis was. An awesome situation because it was a small enough school that they needed bodies, they needed help, and so that gave me an end. Man, that gave me an opportunity. Um, the athletic training staff was great. I know my experience from Iowa is different, but man, Mizzou and Memphis's athletic training staff, hands down, um, cannot say enough good things about them and how they operate. So they let me. They only have free rein, man. I mean, it was just like after week two or three, like, all right, you're not gonna kill, you're not gonna mess someone up, right? You're not going to do anything stupid or weird to get us in trouble, like go, you know? And so by year three, um, I have pretty much full reign to do whatever I need to do. Pull guys after practice and say, Hey, we got to work. Um, you know, worked with all the coaches there. Um, probably, uh, yeah every single one, including the head coach. Um, and so there was a lot of doors open, but it took time and that's kind of the big point there is it took time and it took effort and it took, you know, showing that I was part of the team, you know, because a lot of times there's, there's two types of people I think that get into sports and, and the first type of person is the person that wants to work with athletes. And the other person is the type that wants to help athletes the people that want to work with athletes, they just want to be able to say that they worked with so-and-so. That's what their actual goal is. And so those are the people who are going to show up, they're going to treat, they're going to spend a specific window of time, and they're going to get out and they're going to say, go out to their friends and say, oh, it was really cool, I worked with this, this, and this person. You know." And and that's a, that's a me mentality. Um, if you want to help athletes, that means the focus is on them. And what you see a lot in that realm is, and you even see it in, in the training staff. We have GAs come in or even doctors like, well, I'm only here during this time. I'm not really willing to give up my time to be here. And you can't do that, especially if you're a chiropractor. You absolutely have to spend just as much time in there and showing that you give a crap um, as the athletic trainers. Because the athletic training staff, those are the people you're there to help out and are typically the, the where the relationship gets built. The MDs, they're good, and they're going to be there to help you. But really, all you got to do there is show them that you're not going to do anything stupid. Um, but the athletic training staff doesn't care if you're tired at 5 a.m. because guess what? They're there at 4:30. Like athletic training staff is is works harder than anyone else does um, within that within maybe the exception of coaches. Um, so like you've got to show you are willing to play ball with that. So if I get a phone call hey, we've got a guy whose back is spasming on a Wednesday night and we leave Thursday morning on a plane, guess what? I'm there at 5 o'clock on Thursday morning and I'm treating an athlete. No one wants to talk about that. They just want to take the picture of them on the sideline to say, look, I work with athletes. But, but that's not what it's like. Um, and it, Don't get me wrong. It is definitely fun to have tickets. It's fun to be on the sidelines 100%. But you got to really want to be part of that environment. You've got to want to have a team approach and work with other people and not be the guy. And, and, you know, and then at the end of the day, you've got to actually do whatever you can to get that person better.
1: Man, you, uh, you hit on a lot, a lot of really, really good topics there. A lot of great points as you're going through. I love the, the fact that you're talking about the two different types of people of working with athletes versus helping athletes and, and all of those things. You know, one, one, uh, one of the things that I noticed when I was down with blues is like again it's a lot of time it's a lot of effort it's Mm -hmm. late nights um you know and and it made me think like shit you know some of these guys have been doing this for 20 years right like that's a long time to be running that type of lifestyle and and you're not talking just you know tuesday nights sometimes it's friday nights sometimes it's sundays sometimes it's thanksgiving i mean Mm -hmm. you know when you're growing up you're not necessarily used to all that stuff um so that's true I really, really liked what you talked about in regards to your experience with Memphis and the fact that for a year you didn't even really get paid. When we were at Lindenwood, when we were very first getting started, we didn't get paid either. You know, you, you started to see some of it, and it was exciting, but you have to work through the opportunity so that both parties understand. Because here's something that – I mean, colleges, universities, high schools, whatever, you, sh- you do not want to put them at a financial – you know, uh, uh, in a bad way, let's let's just say that, right? Like, it, we all want to get paid for what we do, but if they don't understand how valuable your service is, they're not used to having somebody like yourself already there. If all of a sudden you want, I mean, i have throwing out pure random numbers here, but let's say that you think that your services for that year or semester or whatever is worth $5,000. Well, they have to then justify that type of payment within their budget to make it happen. I highly suggest doing what Tyrell did and just get in and figure it out. Work for free. I know it sucks in in the short term, but commit the time and effort, learn as much as you can, let them build the need for what you do and then start to see how you can get paid for it. We literally did the same thing. We actually at one point we had a little like salary if you will, which wasn't a lot, but there was a set amount. And then at other times we had gone the insurance route, you know, tried that with the university and you just you have to plug and play, and and um, don't uh, I guess don't get so high on yourself right off the bat. If you really want to work in with athletes, like it, it may take some, you know, some right. of your free time, and it may take some free treatment in order to get to the spot of helping those people long term. Right.
0: Well, if you think about it, don't don't fool yourself. You're not the only person trying to work with that team with those Absolutely. athletes. Like, Absolutely. So they could, if if all they were looking for is someone to pay money to and get their services, they have twenty other people knocking down that door and calling them and trying to get a connection. Like your connection is to show you're part of the team. I mean, in athletics, it's a there's a there's a very big difference between what you see on the outside and what you see on the inside. And that doesn't matter where you're at in athletics, or you're a your coach, you're an athlete, you're 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 treating people like there's a closed door mentality and not in a bad way. It's a team mentality. It's underneath this facility and these doors, we are together and we're doing the things we need to do to get the job done. And if and if you feel like someone's in there and they're not for that, like they gotta go. I mean, you can't win games, you can't be successful if you've got other people in there that are like, well, I gotta get mine first. Like you get yours first, then you're in a different at least at least in the sports i've been around you're trying to get yours first it ain't gonna happen
1: that's 100 percent right and on that note you know it is a closed door type scenario don't walk in and and whip out your phone and start you know texting and and, and taking pictures and all the shit like you know down the road is as they get to know you and you know the system and all that stuff and and it's okay to maybe take a picture in front of a sign or whatever like I don't think we took any, like, Lindenwood pictures for probably a year after we were there and had already gotten to know everybody, and and we just took, like, a picture in front of the sign, right? I mean, you have to be very, very careful about that stuff because if people pick up on the fact that you're there, as Tyrell mentioned, because you want to work with athletes and take pictures and post it all over the place, it, it goes downhill fast.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, right then and there, if you're doing that, you're obviously a me mentality. You're there to work with athletes. So you're taking pictures inside a facility with the people you're already around. So you can show someone else that you did something. So you're already not in there for the right reasons. Now you can, you can promote yourself by saying, Hey, we're the official team, whatever, whatever. But to me, I would rather do all my work behind closed doors. I don't give a crap if other people don't know about it, unless it's, you know, maybe building my business and then, when I'm randomly on the sidelines for a game, having a former, you know, or or randomly in public or whatever, the, what the hell it is. I'd rather see that guy doing his thing in the NFL or in college or whatever and get to say, Hey man, how are you doing? Love seeing you. You know, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy you've come from this place and you're now out there killing it. I mean, that's what I'd rather see. I'd rather see the athlete succeed. I don't, I don't care what someone else thinks about what I did. Like, that's that's the, the like i said the me versus versus them mentality um but yeah i mean that's a big takeaway yeah yeah you gotta to get, have your business yeah. be be beneficial right. benefited by it but it's, it's right who are you trying to really help or who are you Correct. trying to in the,
1: yes in the long term absolutely you got to get paid for your services there's no doubt about it um one thing i want to touch on real quick is it's very big within high school college professional athletics to be labeled as the team doc and you find out that that person or group <laughs> paid for it. Right. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest joke there is because mm-hmm. uh, what are you going to pay 10 grand to be a part of a certain group? Uh, marketing. Uh There's a group. All it, right. Right. And, and that's great. But that to me just feels like false advertisement, you know, because most of the time, some of those groups then you're you're paying and then you're actually treating the people, but most of the time it's it's purely for the name so that then they can use it as their marketing material. But to me like I would rather work on the people, get paid for it or even in the fact of make nothing but didn't pay so that I could provide yes. services, but then have those people, Say good things if they feel it's necessary and, and they like your services. So Absolutely. keep that in mind because you're going to have a lot of people that reach out and say, "Hey, you know, I've got an opportunity for you. You know, you you have, and look, I really don't think it's worth that kind of money. Um, we're not a hospital group. You know, mm-hmm. we, most chiropractors don't have that kind of extra income to just float to say they're the team doc or whatever. And if you do, I mean, I, I just wouldn't
0: go down that route. No, I mean, you practice what you preach, and I don't know if, from an honesty standpoint, I don't know if I could sit in front of patients with my name on the wall and with a picture of me saying, Oh, I'm a teen chiropractor, blah, blah, blah. blah and I've never worked with that individual. Like, i I've never seen a single no. that, But you're 100% correct. Like, you should probably say it again. A lot of times when you see, Oh, I work with so and so and so and so, man, a lot of those guys aren't. And I'm not saying everyone isn't. But there's a lot of behind-the-doors stuff that's just really you're just paying for it. Or it's like, well, we have in our contract as a player's union. That's why I said professionals different than college. Uh, we have in our contract X, Y, and Z has to happen. So, all right, we'll just fill that gap. But we don't actually utilize that guy. We don't give a shit about him. And, and to your credit, like what you're saying is you that's why you need to build the relationships with the people who make those decisions of whether or not you become a valuable asset or someone who's just filling a slot.
1: No doubt. And I'll, I'll tell you offline who I'm talking about here in a second, sure, Tyrell. Yeah. But uh, there's a group down here that wanted me to pay $50,000 to be the team doc. Now, I did get to treat and do all that stuff. I'd come up with a pretty good plan where I thought everybody was a win-win. Where they're like, look, we can't do it because – then if somebody does want to pay 50 grand, we'd have to push them their way. I was like, look, if you can get somebody to pay $50,000 to be your team doc, take that deal all day, every day. But if you want a good, legitimate chiropractor that's going to help your people improve and get better, I'm that option. Like, go with me. Yeah. And they're like, "In at the end of the day, they turned it down because I wasn't going to pay. I'm like, all right, well, then it's not the right opportunity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm with you, man. It's just how it goes. You know? I'm with you. Um, how, how big would you say that communication is for the athletic world not all i mean it's big in in the whole medical field to begin with but especially in athletics communication between the chiropractor between the other physicians Mm -hmm. um, being on a team mentality level talk through that
0: man it's it's a ton there's different routes you can go on that one but from a let me break it out this way I think there's a team mentality no matter what, but there's different levels of communication you have. And it depends on everyone's system. If you have a team physician that is, he's the guy, so he's the head team physician, but he's also the, let's say, director of sports matter, makes all the hiring decisions. Again, it depends. You know, at Mizzou and Memphis, those people were the head athletic trainer. So your communication varies on who, who writes your paycheck or who hires you and decides what you do. But um, so for me, based on my experience, I'll tell that then. is you know, the communication you have to have within practitioners when you're treating the athletes is huge from a standpoint of continuity of care and for them to understand what you're doing, um, which is why I always, always want to be on site. I don't ever want to be treating someone off site or bringing them to my office. That's just my philosophy because it gets lost in translation. You do something at the office, you get some, some kind of success and then it's okay. They're going to return. You're going to you're going to think that athlete's going to tell the athletic trainer what they just did, what they just had done with them. It ain't going to happen. Um, when it comes to the physicians, it really depends. You have I've had experiences with physicians that have been like super, you know, like oh yeah, chiropractor's totally cool, you know. And what is your opinion? And they're very inclusive, tend to be a little bit younger when that's the case, but not always. Um, and I've had the physicians who are like, man, this dude's a chiropractor. I don't trust this guy. And and the funny thing is a lot of those guys won't flat out go and tell you they'll kind of like give these side stories like, Oh yeah, I remember like a chiropractor one time that I remember did this. And it was just like a, like, so I don't, I don't trust you is what you're saying. Um, but you need to have communication. You need to have that conversation of like, look, you know, I'm here. Um, whether it was your choice or not, or whether we're sitting down in a meeting to try to figure out why I should be here. And here's what I, here's how I see My benefit to you like can I tape an ankle? Yeah, I can. I don't need to tape an ankle Can I do ACL rehab? Maybe if I needed to sure why the heck would I you have people for that? So you have to define where it is you're actually giving benefit That's number one and then that makes it that makes it uh, you now have a slot within that cog of different team members that have a purpose for some for um, helping the athlete from there, I think it just—you have to have a conversation on philosophy. You have to have a conversation on where your boundaries are, what you will and won't do with someone, you know. And you have to feel that practitioner out. You have to feel that that position out on, you know. Well, what's your thoughts on X, Y, Z? And if he says he doesn't like it, and he's someone that decides what you do, you might have to just roll with it. You, know, you, you may not be able to do all the things you want. Um, and actually, that was the case of me at Memphis. That um, actually really like personally got along really well with the team physician there. Um, but he just was a little more old school and just had bad experiences with, with individuals that were chiropractors. And so, you know, I had the conversation of like, well, look, I, you know, what do you think of soft tissue work, et cetera? Like, and he's like, you know, you know what, if you want to do soft tissue work all day long on people, I have no problem with that. Like, that's awesome. And so multiple times in the game, we've had a situation where guy goes down hamstring, let's say, bring him off on the sideline, do an evaluation. You know, okay, I think he's, I think he's, hey, he's safe. He's not, he didn't tear the thing, and you know, it's not a grade two, grade three strain. And then, well, he needs to go back in. Hey, go ahead and work on it if you want. You know, so it's, you have to allow those individuals to play their role too, which means that guy comes off the field, guess who didn't run out on the field? Me. Guess who doesn't want to run out on the field? Me. But guess who stood behind and just watched? Me. I didn't jump in there and say, let me give my opinion. I just watched. I'm there, I'm accessible. You know, you can call it what you want, but at the end of the day, that's how you do it. I don't care if you think, well, you're just giving up to the physician and blah blah blah. I don't care. That's how it has to work. You have a hierarchy of what's important. But honestly, that's what I want because it's so much easier for me to have a professional with a license that will hold up better in court if they fuck something up and don't get it right, say to me, I check this guy out, you're good. Take a look at him, do whatever you want. Like it's a system that works actually really well when you let it. So but you have to have that communication of where everyone's at and what role you play in there. Because if I think that I'm running off to help spine board someone, because I learned in emergency care how to spine board people. And actually I do feel pretty confident about it. uh, Get this guy out of here. Now this person could have a spinal injury. That chiropractor is a whack job because they're trying to do everything, figure out your role. And I think you need to have conversation on that. And, And any reasonable individual that's worth working with, will have that conversation with you. Otherwise, there's some people it's just not worth having.
1: No, I, I completely agree with that. You've nailed a ton of, I mean, each time you're, we're bringing up a topic, you're hitting into a lot of good things that honestly I I remember or just it wasn't front of mind here. But communication, again, 100% key, extremely, extremely important. Most of the time, as Tyrell mentioned, the head athletic trainer is the head person of the group, right? They make the decisions. They're the one that initially takes a look at the athlete and then they quarterback it. They say, okay, this is ortho. Okay, they need to see the dentist. Okay, this is Cairo. Okay, this is massage, whatever it is. So understand that. And you're right. I actually love that because I just do what I do and that's it. <laughs> Why well, do, right? like, not... do
0: you already have to? <laughs> right. You know,
1: like uh, in the office, I think we are a Swiss Army knife a lot of times. We're, you know, the, the referral partner, we're the communicator. We are. The soft tissue guy we're the rehab guy we're the adjuster you know that we do all these different things to help our people improve and and we you know we may refer out for a lot of things but in general we you know try and do our best to handle as much as we can in the team setting that's not you if you're the chiropractor and you adjust that is your role you don't step in and give your opinion when you're not asked to they will ask for you uh for instance like you know the athletic trainer would come to us and put so and so on our schedule or say hey Hey Doc, uh, this guy's got you know some SI issues. Okay, what's up? You know I'll come over there. I'll get his you know w- mm-hmm. what happened, and then I'll ask the athletes, what are you feeling? You know what what do we need to do? And a lot of it also is what is their the athlete's experience with chiropractic, with active release technique, whatever it is, and what's the team's experience, right? Um, like you said, maybe some people only want soft tissue. Well, guess what? I don't give a shit if you want to adjust him. You can't, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're soft tissue only, you're doing soft tissue. That's it.
0: Um, then, then do a top down stretch and get an SI joint to go. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Like, you, right. Yeah. Like there are and, ways to help them, no doubt, but, but definitely do not go behind
1: their back and do shit right. that you're not supposed to be right. doing because that will be a great way to ruin the relationship.
0: And then do that for a year, get results, show your team player. Yeah. And I guarantee you yeah. year two, the question is going to be asked, Hey, do you think this guy would get help with adjusting? Oh yeah, I do. Actually, we could totally do that. Like that's like. It's like a business you don't start yes. on day one yes. with all these amazing services and ways you've expanded and done you know been in the community and have all these things going for you you start with year one you build and your your one comes by wow this guy's actually been an asset for us he's provided the things we need it happened with me with, with with concussions concussions were not something i really saw a whole lot right away and then all of a sudden after you know the first season goes by pet athletic trainer goes hey, what do you think about concussions? Is there anything else we could be doing for this? I said, well, you know, it is a neck injury. It is a head and neck injury. Soft tissue work, adjusting. Uh, at that point, I was dry needling then. Like, hey, we could do that. Yeah, okay, I think that's a good idea. Every single concussion that we got was sent to me after that. So it's, it's you, but if I walked in there day one and said, oh my gosh, the guy's got a concussion. I need, I, I need to work on him. You don't understand. It's a neck injury. Like, Dude, you sometimes you gotta let one go. Sometimes you gotta be okay with like, you know what? That's fine. I know that that needs to happen, but this is not the right time to be, you know, superhero chiropractor and come in there and fix everyone. That's that's not how. And
1: this maybe works. that's a right. And maybe that's a conversation with that, you know, athletic trainer or that physician later is like, you know, after not in front of an athlete, not any of that, but yeah. you know, later on, it's, hey, wh- wh- what did you think in that? What do you guys normally do in this case? And they'll walk you through and maybe they'll flat out be like, yeah, I actually don't know what to do though when it comes to soft tissue part. And you can be like, well, in the past, I've helped some concussions with this particular approach and I'll, I'll take a look and, and we'll do some soft tissue if they need an adjustment. I'll allow that part for mobility, but it's a slow process, right? A lot of, a lot of, uh, head physicians and and um, MDs, PCPs, whoever it is, a lot of times it's not even that they hate chiropractors. They just don't know. And a lot of chiropractors are so aggressive to jump in without a lot of communication that it just makes people go, ah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. The same thing yeah. happens in our office, right? Patient comes in and they're like, man, I'm, I'm not really sure about uh, cervical adjustments. Okay, look, I, I understand where you're coming from. It's probably a lack of education type scenario, and and that's fine. So the first time, I'm not going to jump in and surprise him with a cervical adjustment. I'm going to do some Mm -hmm. soft tissue. I'm going to adjust the thoracic spine. I'm going to get them understanding what I do in my touch and approach, make them feel comfortable. And then if they're like, man, my neck's not getting better, well, I I really feel that you would benefit from a cervical adjustment. Mm -hmm. Okay, Well, you know what, Doc? I I trust you. If, If that's what you think is right, like, go for it boom here we go and then we start down that path but you're gonna turn a lot of people away by going way too aggressive too right. quick
0: which if we step back a little bit and look at this in the grand scheme of what's being said here whether you want to be successful in general practice or working with athletes it means you cannot be a one-man show or you can't be a you can't have a one-stop shop you have to have multiple tools in a certain situation you may not if all you can do is adjust, I love adjusting, it's great, it's awesome, it does amazing things, but if all you can do is adjust, you've gotta have something else in the toolbox for when you can't, because it will happen, and regardless of whether it's your choice or someone else's choice, you're gonna to have to be able to have a tool to be an asset to that patient or to that sports team to be able to do an ART or to do a dry knee. and like, hey, guess what? This guy can't get adjusted right now. If that's all you got in your toolbox, like what are you going to do for that patient? What are you going to do for that patient that doesn't want to be adjusted in the neck? Okay, that's cool. But we do some soft tissue work, right? We do a little bit, you know, it's comfortable, it's relaxing, it's totally safe, they feel comfortable. And then on visit two or three, when it's still not quite getting where they want, they go, well, do you really think the adjustment would help? Yeah. Oh, well, this guy hasn't been a complete jerk to me the first two, three times. All right, screw it, let's adjust him. That's, That's literally what happened to me with the head coach there. He didn't want to get adjusted, it's, and he's got a headache.
1: What the yep. hell am I going to do? Yep. I've seen it happen a lot. I mean, I've seen athletic trainers that bring chiropractors in that have never been adjusted before. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, we saw multiple students within with at Logan that came in within our class that had never been adjusted before, but decided right. they want to be a chiropractor. It's right. just everyone's got such a different experience, and that is why, guys, I, I cannot stress this enough. Do not rip On other professions and other people even within our own profession yeah all right all i would simply say whether they're talking about a certain type of practice a certain person say look there are a lot of different ways to do chiropractic care to approach it all right this is how i do it Mm
0: -hmm.
1: okay this is how we're going to proceed i'm sorry that you had that bad experience in the past I hope to improve on that this is how we're going to approach the situation and create that level of comfortability because i'm telling you you could line up 20 maybe even 50 chiropractors and it would be really tough to find two that align so closely that they do 100 percent the same it's different than pt it's different than orthos that have a lot of the same stuff Um, i think tyrell and i align pretty close with a few things but to be honest we probably maybe have 50% of the same approach outside of mindset Mm -hmm. and things like that. But maybe the physical hands-on part, we do probably a lot of different things. Our goal is to get a similar outcome. Uh, So that's why I say be open to the idea that there are a lot of different approaches. Don't have that school mentality of, of ripping on what other people think may or may not be right. I literally heard it in a seminar recently where same thing people are like look we're ripping apart our own profession because we're not supporting each other and we're not creating a unified mm-hmm. approach to to chiropractic and to healthcare and you know what it is tough i, I 100% agree with that okay. you just have to understand what you do know that other people other chiropractors other physicians they're not a threat to you we just have to figure out how to co mingle how to be a team player is really what you're saying yeah. at the end of the day it,
0: it goes back to being on a team and if you have a team mentality and you, especially if you want to work with sports teams, you have to have a team mentality, but in general you have to have a team mentality. And that's, so to give you context, like before I was there at Memphis, they did not have a single chiropractor in that place ever before. And when I got, which is really cool. Yeah. Right. And when I left Memphis, because I I didn't have three heads, I got along well with people. When I, when I, when I went to them and said, Hey, like, you know, I've got some opportunities in Columbus. Um, I think it's gonna be the best move for me and my my then girlfriend, who is now my wife. Like she's from Columbus. Like there was some stuff that we had, we were in a turn, uh, you know, kind of a crossroads of what am I gonna do here? Where am I, you know, where am I, am I gonna put my roots in Memphis or not? And it just wasn't the exact right scenario for me, although it was a great scenario. They said, oh crap, how, like that's great for you. How are we gonna replace you? Well, I don't know, but you know what I did is I said, well, knowing that you're a, you're you're a small division one school, very successful though, by the way, Memphis is a great football team, great track team, great athletics. They just don't have the money to pay for stuff. I said, well, I mean, where I came from and they were very close to Mizzou, like Rex has a, has an agreement with Logan university and, and, and they provide a full-time chiropractor and bring students down and, and, you know, they provide that for you and they'll have a full-time chiropractor and you'll have all those things. and, that's something they've done for Mizzou. I don't know if they're interested with it in Memphis, but maybe they would be. And they said, "Oh my God, that'd be, you know, it'd be great." Um, so I reached out to um, to to Logan, and uh, they were on board hundred percent. Like absolutely, because it's a it's a great marketing tool for them, and it's also a great way to help other, you know, people in undergrad figure out they want to be a chiropractor and where to go. So that's that's why Logan University is now the official team chiropractic school for for Memphis because I set that up. You know, that was, you know, I probably don't get any credit for it, but it doesn't really matter. But like, that was 100% like, because someone went in, showed that they could work with people and provided value that, what realistically is probably worth between 70 and 80,000, 90,000, I don't know, something like that. I mean, it it was a good position that I created, didn't even know it and then left, you know, but um, but again, it's all about providing value and, and you look at, it, and you didn't provide that in year one, you didn't provide that in year two, it was year three where every athlete knew your name and you were seeing 30, 40 kids a week and tremendous value that it was like, how do we make this even better and how do we make that part of our team? So, um, it's all about teamwork. It comes back down to teamwork and being you know, athlete minded first, results minded first, and that's that's the biggest things I took away from Memphis and from Mizzou, of course, too, because Mizzou is foundational in, in providing that. Um, you have to be there for the right reasons.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And you know what? I think that's a great example of you had a good situation, you created a, something from nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and congratulations too, like being able to create that type of opportunity for Logan is is amazing. But one of the things that I take away from that was he wasn't so caught up on just being Memphis team chiropractor and, you know, whatever. There was an opportunity that was a better fit for his life down the road and for his business. And taking that opportunity, going to Ohio, running with it from there, like that's what meant more to him. And uh, I'll get into it in another podcast, but I know that that there was a similar situation for me and my family when we moved from St. Louis to Dallas. And it's just regardless of what teams – the hype, you know, the excitement, the money, whatever it is, depending on your life and situation, there may be other opportunities that are a better fit at this point in time. And so, you know, keep, keep that in mind. We are, I I know we're, we're running pretty long here, but if you listen to this podcast, you're going to find so much information that you're not going to hear in other places and from people that have been there. And, and, you know, Dr. Tyrell's shared with us a ton, a ton of really, really good information. So Listen to this whole thing because you're you're going to be you're going to be picking up on a lot of great stuff. So, before we end up though, I want to kind of blitz through a few questions here. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll I'll throw them out there. Give me a you know a a pretty short to the point answer here. But w- w- student loans coming out is is a scary thing, all right? We've got a lot of student loans. Everybody's different again with what they've had to endure in regards to how much you know money they've taken out. But how do, how do you approach your repayment part of the student loan process?
0: Yeah, I think you pay it off if you can pay it off, but don't let it stagnate your growth. If you if you are looking at the, you know, whatever standard year repayment thing that they give you as far as an option and that's like, holy crap, I'm not going to be able to live. I'm not going to be able to be produced. like do not. Do not try to pay that off too fast if that's not something you can do, but the second you can pay that off, start paying it off. But I, I actually don't mind the result or not results based. That's me. Um, I don't mind the uh, pay as you earn thing because it makes a good point that, you know, maybe I just commit to 20% of my income goes to my student loans. But if, I mean, it's a long-term gain. I'm gonna make investments now so then later that's gonna be much more important than the growth that's gonna happen if I let my student loans keep accruing. doesn't mean I'm not paying them off, but I'm not. If I can't pay off two, three grand a month, don't do that. You, you gotta, you gotta cash. Now is more important than, than that cash later.
1: I agree. Now pandemic hit us strong in 2020. It's no secret. We all know every state and every county was affected differently based on the regulations and you know what we could and couldn't do. And also what the community thought of the pandemic and how active people were and were willing to leave their houses. How, in, in a short, how did it affect you and what have you done to adapt?
0: Um, well, we, based on our demographics, we found out real quick, I found out real quick that we modeled um, gym populations very closely. So pandemic hit, closures in Ohio happened, um, or the mandate, you know, the, the stay-at-home mandate. And um, and within about three weeks of those gyms having to shut down, we saw a huge decrease in in, uh, in numbers. People still need to get healthy, right? They still need help. So we did have some people left, but um you know we definitely took a hit there that was probably the biggest thing i learned that we were affected with by the pandemic but um you can always find something more to do you can always pivot somehow to make that a little better
1: no doubt and that's the time where if you're slow and this goes for regular practice not even outside like within the pandemic absolutely but even in regular practice use your slow times to get busier If you're slower, don't sit around and and web surf on your computer and watch, you know, Instagram videos. That's your time that you start making physician letters. You make phone calls, you reach out to attorneys, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is within your, your area that you're trying to focus, start progressing yourself, maybe create more online content, maybe create an online platform. Everybody's different, but utilize your time so that you get busier and, and that just continues to compile. All right. And that's, I would say, if anything, from a piece of advice, Tyrell basically said the same thing to me offline. Uh, but I just wanted to emphasize that, that, yes, utilize your slow times mm-hmm. to get you busier.
0: How would you personally define success? Um, personally, success to me is, I actually had to go through a bunch of these exercises recently. Personal success to me is basically having the financial freedom to do the things that I want to do and to be able to help people. So that doesn't have a number on it for me. Um, But to be at a position where I do not feel pressure to do anything that I don't, in my core values, align with and that I don't see as being a proper use of my time.
1: Perfect. What do you feel like you missed on in 2020?
0: Um. 2020 I think I missed on time I think I it took me a bit to figure out how to manage some of those things and so like and I think everyone probably feels this way no matter what the situation is but I feel like there were there were times where I had I had an issue with time management and figuring out how do I um, how do I make sure this week doesn't fly by um, that was probably the biggest thing I missed out on in 2020.
1: What do you feel like you did well in 2020?
0: I think definitely pivoting and finding um, finding new outlets, really defining the business and what what I believed in, where I think there were real opportunities with, um, and then and then um, you know chasing those opportunities. I think that was probably the biggest thing. Um, we did a huge overhaul. I did a huge overhaul of just everything from operations manual to um, you know. How we treat patients, the philosophy behind it, how I'm going to look in five years, and be able to have, you know, one or two docs working with me, and how I'm going to be able to train them. If I don't have my philosophy down, uh, my my style down, um, we've we've transitioned into what I like to call results kind of more of a results based care model. So I'm focusing on, you know, how do I provide an atmosphere that isn't concerned about the visit, rather the result. And just kind of modeling that all the way through that patient interaction so I think what I did finally do well in 2020 which is kind of branching off what I missed in 2020 is I as I did use that time wisely um, to kind of figure out like all right where does this need to go then because you know at the end of the day failure is really not an option not to sound cliche but I mean that's not gonna that's not gonna produce very good results for me as far as me being happy if I end up having to work at a doc's office or you know quit or do so you got to find something to do and pressure does that to you.
1: Perfect. Real quick, what are three of your struggles? We've we've talked on some different uh different I guess angles to this topic throughout the podcast, but specifically what would you say are three of your struggles that you encountered entering the real world of practice?
0: Oh, so I think they're mostly all business related, but Um, I mean, really just a time management again, like that's been an issue all the way through. Um, I mentioned a little bit on, um, you know, physiology, I'm, as I'm kind of learning and growing a big thing that's becoming very apparent is the body does stuff for a reason. It's not stuff. Doesn't no stuff doesn't happen for a reason, but like realistically speaking, your body does stuff on a very consistent basis because that's how it's programmed to operate. And that's kind of where your perceptions and, and beliefs have taken you. So, uncertainty for me is a huge problem. Like if I don't know how to do something or if I don't know the right answer to something, it is that little, you know, hamster that goes around your wheel all day long and just, and just grinds you to a halt um, and can really paralyze you. So there's times where it's not really, I don't call it depression, but I mean where you're sitting there going like, I don't have an answer for this and I, I don't know where to start I don't know where to go. Like, and it all of a sudden no day becomes a day becomes a, another day to a week. And you're like, crap, I still can't solve this, but I know I need to. So that's a big thing when you get out there is, especially for those of you who think who are thinking in the mindset of someone's going to tell me what to do. If you don't have that anymore, all of a sudden, now your anger is going to go into, well, no one told me my chiropractic, business, you know, my chiropractic school never told me that this was going to happen. It's their fault. No, like, you got to figure it out. So uncertainty is huge. And honestly, this is where I think that the last thing is I think patient communication and really making sure that like the communication with the patient is clear, that you're telling your, your, what is happening in your head, especially when it comes down to what's going on in that patient's body is different than, than, than how they're perceiving. And your job is to make sure that they understand your, your, that they understand what's going on in their body based on what you are perceiving it as. So I'm trying to be clear on this. Maybe I'm not doing a good job, but um, you have to be able to communicate to that patient for them to understand why they're there, um, what's wrong with them, and that you have an answer and a plan for them to get better.
1: Love it. All right. Last thing before we sign off here, what is a goal of yours for 2021? Let's just go with one, one important goal where you see yourself 2021.
0: Um, a big thing that I've looked at in 2020 that I really want to get done in 2021 that I think can really push the practice is, um, I want to get <clears throat> four schools contracted with our, with our office. Um, so I want to get integrated back in with schools. Like you said, the, the, the mindset may, the mindset never changes, just the goals different. So. The nice thing about being in Ohio is, man, we got some athletes in high school. I mean, these guys are freaking beasts. So, um, working with the high school is honestly sometimes not even any different than working with a college. So, my thought is, I want to get back into um, direct one-on-one care, helping those teams out, helping them be successful in 2021. And so, you know, to do that, I want to be on I want to be on contract with four different um, programs in the year. Of 2021 probably already got two, so I just need to get two more.
1: Love it, man. Well, it's been awesome having you on. I, I think we're going to have to come back and touch on a couple things later on. I want to do a podcast with you at some point on RPR mm-hmm. and the benefits there. Um, you know, we can get into more athletics and just you know improvements and things that you see uh, within athletic treatment. That you know, maybe some good uh, good pointers for some of the students and newer chiropractors as well. So thank you very much for your time, man. I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. It was
0: awesome. Great great talking to you. Great seeing you. No doubt. So where can people find you? Um, well, uh, our website right now is www.hybrid-performance.net. Um, you can find some great information on there. I also write articles for a company called EliteFTS.com. Um, so you can go on there, see any of the, the stuff I've written. Um, that's going to run more on professional development, uh, athletics as it pertains to some team athletics, but also very much in the strength and conditioning realm. Um, also Instagram at Dr. Tyrell Detweiler, um, or hybrid performance group. And then, uh, Facebook, I guess, if you wanted to search it up, Tyrell Detweiler, there's not a whole lot of other people named Tyrell, so you'll probably find it pretty quick.
1: Awesome, I love it, buddy. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you enjoyed the newest episode of the the First Five podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, you know, please reach out to Tyrell, lean on him for any advice, any questions you may have, myself included. Follow us at the First Five, uh, leave us a review, love all that stuff. Thank you all for our audience uh, for your support. We've recently hit eleven thousand downloads since we've started, uh, and now that's been an accumulation of a couple of years, but with an on and on off you know and and getting into a new podcast all the stuff it's it's taking some time so i appreciate you all tyrell thanks for joining us and uh, we'll catch you guys next time
0: thank you